0: I also encourage you to read through the book of Judges chapter 6, 7 and 8 because we're going to be focusing on that today and uh, next week as well. And so it's the story of Gideon, if you're not aware yet, it's the story of Gideon and just want to focus on that and see what we can learn uh, from uh, his story uh, today. And uh, here's, here's the back story uh, to Gideon. You know, you've heard about Joshua. Joshua was Moses' uh, second in command. Joshua became the first in command. And it was Joshua who led the children of Israel into the promised land. And uh, Joshua was 110 years old when he died. Imagine that, 110. Think about the things that he saw. But we've learned from the Bible that there was a time when all the elders of his generation had died. And it's now, as we're reading, 200 years since the people crossed the Jordan under Joshua's leadership. And this is where we pick up the story in Judges. Now, I'm going to read from Judges chapter 2, initially, chapter uh, 2, verses 10 through to 12, because I think these words are significant as the book of Judges opens up. It says, After that whole generation... That is Joshua's generation and those leaders. After they had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who neither knew the, who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord. The God of the fathers who had brought them out of Egypt. And they followed and worshipped the various gods of the peoples around them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. Another generation grew up who neither knew nor feared God. They had forgotten about who God was and what he had done. You know, they worshipped here. It says that they worshipped the Baals. And one commentary says this. Uh, That Baal was also called Hadu. He is above all the storm god who gives the sweet rain that revives the vegetation. The storm god who brings rain. You know that um, the Israelites prayed for rain regularly. They looked to Jehovah to bring the rain so they could have crops. And this is something which we have probably lost in our culture because we go to Tesco and to Asda, and I better not mention any more shops, unless I mention them all, actually, Um, wherever we go for our shopping, and it's there on the shelves for us. We don't really need to think about the rains coming, unless it's in Scotland, because it rains too much, and we want it to stop. But here is a God who is the God of the rain, and the rain revives and brings the vegetation, it brings the crops. And as we read through uh, the story of Gideon, we come across another God who's called Asherah, And uh, she is the goddess of fertility. It's easy to see how the people of the time would be caught up with gods that bring life, bring rain, bring the crops, and goddesses that bring fertility. You can understand why people would be attracted to these types of gods and uh, use the word God with reservation. It's a small g. These are fundamentals in life. Water and food that sustain us and the reproduction of our species. are things which are innate within us. So you can understand why the people would turn to other gods. What I can't understand is why they would turn to other gods and not turn to Jehovah. It says here that they neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And I want to pause here because for me this is a strong reminder. If we needed to be reminded of the importance of the transmission of our faith to the next generation. I am here because the faith that I believe in was passed from my parents to me. It was passed from church leaders in the past, Sunday school teachers, all these types of people. It was passed from others onto me. And I had a decision to make about that, and uh, I accepted this faith for myself but it reminds me that we have a responsibility to pass on, to transmit the faith, the message that we have to the next generation. We could debate what you feel the priorities of any church should be. Is it the worship? Is it the word? Is it the works that we do? What are the priorities? And churches debate over these things all the time. But I would like to suggest that one of our priorities is the safe passage, the safe transmission of this message that we have, this faith that we have to the next generation who are coming up. And as parents and grandparents, you have a responsibility to pass that on to the next generation. As leaders in the church, we have that responsibility to pass it on to the next generation. Believe it or not, Whether you're directly involved with the children or the young people or not, we all have a responsibility to pass on this faith to the next generation because these young people and children are looking at you. They're looking at your faces. They're looking at your body language. They're looking at how we interact as husbands and wives in our families. They're looking at how we interact in church as leaders, as members of the congregation, And they will see, perhaps, a genuine faith that they say, actually, this is something I can believe in. The sad thing is that sometimes in churches, what young people see is not what God plans for us, and they see other things, and they get disillusioned by it, and they walk away, and they turn away from faith because of what they see. Let us be a church where the young people and the children see faith in us, lived out in our everyday experience. And we need to pray for our young people. We need to pray for the children. We need to pray for the chaplaincy team as they go into the school. And we have this tremendous privilege to be involved in this uh, religious observation, uh, religious observance part of the curriculum, to be a voice into that, to bring this faith to life in a way uh, that perhaps somebody who was just going through the motions wouldn't be able to do. And so we have a tremendous privilege But as we read on, let's skip forward to Judges chapter 6, and we're going to read uh, in Judges chapter 6 for a minute. Are you still with me? Good, glad to hear it. Judges chapter 6, verse 1 says, Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys." They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and the camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And I underlined that in my notes and emboldened it that they cried out to the Lord for help. Verse 7, when the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you out of Egypt. Bear in mind as we read scripture that Egypt is a type of the world, okay? In the Old Testament, there are what is known as types, things that... Uh, point towards the New Testament, point towards God's uh, new covenant and his plan, point towards Jesus. Uh, There are things which are hidden in the Old Testament that have relevance and meaning in the New Testament. And one of them is Egypt, which is a type of the, uh, the bondage that we're into sin, the slavery that we're into sin when we are part of the world. This is what God comes to redeem us out of by sending Jesus. Well, God is saying to the Israelites here, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. God has saved his people from oppression And here they go, putting themselves under a yoke of oppression and slavery once again. God has redeemed us from the world. He's redeemed us from slavery to sin. Sometimes my question is, do we allow ourselves to be yoked and to be burdened by sin once again? Why do we slip back into the old mold at times? Sometimes, and I think this is maybe relevant as well, Sometimes, I think, we begin to trust in ourselves. We begin to trust in our own abilities. We begin to trust in our own knowledge, our own wealth. We're able to earn a wage, bring money into the house. And when things are going well, we put our trust in those things. And sometimes we forget that, actually, it's God who begins to provide those things to start with. And just as the Israelite people fell into slavery and into bondage and worshipped other gods, we can find ourselves doing the same thing. And we are unaware of it because we began to put our trust in other things. Sadly, sadly for us as well, sometimes we forget about God until trouble comes and oppression comes and pressure from the world comes. And then we begin to cry out to God and we begin to seek God again. That shouldn't be the way that it happens. We should be seeking God all the time. This is the opening scene in the passage here that we're reading. We get into the story of Gideon. Did you know that Gideon's name means hewer? Hewer. That's a funny word when you use it on its own, as in to hew down, to hew down a tree, not H-U-G-H. That's a different hue. That just came out of my mind as I looked at you, Heather. Um... But to Hew, to hack down, to chop down, and uh, I think when his father gave him this name, perhaps it was prophetic, because not only, uh, not only did he cut down uh, a pole, or uh, so it would say, uh, to this goddess Asherah, he also cut down the Midianite people and he brought them to their knees. So his name was prophetic. Perhaps his father gave him that name. So he would cut down. The enemies of God's people. And it says here in Judges chapter 6 verses 11 through to 12, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite. There's a funny word. It just, that's the family name for one of the families in the clan of the tribe of Manasseh. So the angel comes along and sits down and begins to speak in a place where Gideon is threshing wheat and a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Does anybody in here today feel like a mighty warrior? Imagine the angel of the Lord coming along to you and appearing to you under an oak tree and saying, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's been struggling under oppression. He's in a wine press, He's threshing wheat so that he can hide away from the enemy so that if the Midianites come, they'll not find him. He can remain undiscovered so that his family will have bread to eat. He's living in fear. He's living in poverty. They're living as people on the run. They're living as people who are persecuted and opposed. And along comes the angel of the Lord and says, And the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I think if that was me, I'd be looking over my shoulder to say, (laughs) who's he talking to? (laughs) Is there somebody standing behind me? And this is where we come to it. And the title of what I want to talk about is Gideon's Ifs. Gideon's Ifs. And this is the first if that we come across as we read the story of Gideon. Mighty warrior. Gideon says, but sir... If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our father told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Judges chapter 6 verse 13. Where are all the miracles? Where are all the wonders? Why has all this happened to us? And Gideon comes to his conclusion. You might have listened to many words from the Lord, spoken over this fellowship, spoken over your life. Even perhaps the message last week from Ron. And I think it was a message which was packed full of things that we need to begin to unpack and seek God's wisdom on. But we can still be asking the question, in the midst of all of that, where is God And I feel that this is a word for the church today. We can be asking that question, where is God? Where is the sign of his presence? Where are the miracles? Gideon said, if the Lord is with us, why has this happened? It's a good question. But you can ask that question from two points of view. From the point of view that you feel that God is with you, and yet you've still not seen the breakthrough in the areas that you're hoping for. But your attitude and your inclination is looking for God to bring you to that place of breakthrough. You can also ask it from the point of view of someone who has given up. In other words, if God is with us, then none of this would have happened. So therefore, God isn't with us. God has abandoned us. I remember reading a story about a survivor of the Holocaust. And one of the saddest parts of that story was when he came to this conclusion that God had abandoned them. But he said, better to be punished by God than to be abandoned by God. And I began to understand and I began to see the utter travesty of finding ourselves in a place where we feel that God has abandoned us. I, click, click, you'd have done that when you are (laughs) outside. I think I come from the point of view of the first way of thinking at it. I am praying for breakthroughs in the life of the church. I am praying for breakthroughs in lots of different areas in this fellowship. And I'm believing for breakthroughs in areas. But not from the point of God's abandoned this church. God has not abandoned me. God has not abandoned you. God has not abandoned even the people in this day. In the day of the judges, in the day of Gideon, God had not abandoned the people. He had let the people go through a difficult time, but God was still attentive to their prayer. When they come to that place where they cry out for help, God answers their prayers. And it made me think about the things that you might be wrestling with, the things where you've not seen that breakthrough. Things that are going on in your life, areas where you have been praying and you've not seen a breakthrough. In fact, you've seen the opposite happen. The things that you're praying for and you're working towards in your life and they've not been fulfilled yet, what do we do? Do we give up and we say, God's abandoned us? Or do we press in and do we continue to seek God And he would continue to cry out to God and say, Lord, I'm believing you for the breakthrough in this situation. Maybe for some of us, maybe for some of us, there are things in our lives which God is saying, I want you to get this sorted out. Maybe the prophet has come and spoken to you and said there are things in your life which you need to sort out in order to move on to the next step, in order for you to progress in your faith journey. Maybe God has spoken to you through the word and you've heard him say that but you've not done anything with it yet. And there's a place for being aware of that. We need to remember that we live as redeemed people. We live in a fallen world, and we experience the fallen things of this world. Our bodies get sick. Things happen. Circumstances happen. And we are subject to all of these things just like everybody else. We live in a fallen world, but we live in the world, but not of the world. We have not to adopt the world's way of thinking, the world's attitudes, the world's opinions and thoughts on so many things, because God has redeemed us. He's bought us out of that. But we are subject to the brokenness of the world, just like everyone else. But we know that God is with us. If the Lord is with us, then where are all the the signs and wonders? Hundreds of years ago, Gideon said, hundreds of years ago these things happened and we've heard about them. The prophet has come and spoke to us, but where are all the signs? And it can be a challenge to our souls when God, God doesn't answer the prayer for a miracle. And we've been in that place before, where God doesn't answer that prayer. And then we can begin to say, as Gideon said, if the Lord is with us, then Why? If the Lord is with us, why have all these things happened? And why have these other things not happened? And there's a degree of mystery in this, I feel. Because God is sovereign, and we don't always know what God's purpose is in certain things. And I think the word if is a significant word, a very small word in terms of its uh, size and structure but a big word in terms of the context in which we use it. It can have massive implications for us. It can have negative connotations. Maybe the word if in Gideon's situation could mean incomplete faith. If. If God is with us, then why has all this happened? If God is with us, where are all the miracles? But we can turn that word around from a negative Into a positive. If we pray. If we believe. If we prioritize our time with God. If we hold on to the promises of God, do you know sometimes we need to go back and look at what the prophet has said. We need to go back and look at what God has said into our lives, those things which hopefully we've written down and noted, and we need to go back to those things because these things are our foundation. They are a rock upon which we stand. And at times when the enemy comes in, we go back to those words and we say, well, actually, God has spoken. And when God speaks, believe me, he will fulfill his purpose. We just need to know that it was him that said it to start with. If if we're prepared to endure in his strength, not our own, but the strength that he gives us. If we do not give up. Galatians tells us not to give up in doing good. Don't become weary in doing good because at the right time we will reap a harvest. What if... We do not give up if we don't give up. The possibilities of the word if. Not incomplete faith, but a full faith. Prayers that say, if God, if we pray, if we believe, if we persevere, if we keep at it, if we be obedient to what he's saying, then God will break through. Gideon asks, why has all this happened? The people are facing persecution, perhaps famine, facing poverty. And in all his asking of questions, Gideon comes to this conclusion. God has abandoned us. Not so. God hears their cry for help. He already sent a prophet and now he comes to speak to Gideon. And we can see as we read the passage that the angel of the Lord does not answer Gideon's question. Is it because his questions are unimportant? Or or is it perhaps that he's asking the wrong questions? And I think sometimes our questions can sidetrack us, particularly when we're waiting on God. I think our questions can take us away from the priorities from what is important. I think our questions, the questions that we ask in our minds, can be planted there by the enemy, planted there to distract us from God's plan and purpose. I think the questions that arise in our minds can run parallel, like train tracks, alongside doubts, alongside fears. Why has all this happened to us? Where are the wonders? The question is, do we make the judgment call as a local church as Whitburn Pentecostal church, and say, well, because God hasn't come through in this particular area, let me add the word perhaps yet, God has abandoned us. Not so. Not so. God has not abandoned us. And let's be really careful about the conclusions that we come to when we begin to ask all sorts of questions. And I speak from many years of experience Because I am a person who asks questions all the time. I look around and I ask questions. I've been doing it since I was knee high to a grasshopper. The crucial questions perhaps that we need to ask is, are we willing to submit ourselves to God? Are we willing to submit ourselves to the process that God has us in as a church? Are we willing to submit ourselves to that And let me also say, after many years of experience, that it's far easier to lead from the sidelines in church life. Why is all this happening? Give me a wee shot at being the pastor and I'll sort it out. Okay? It's a lot easier to lead from the sidelines than it is to lead from the front. It would have been really easy for Gideon to step back and say, let somebody else do that, and I'll watch what he does, and if he does a good job, I'll praise him, and if he does a rubbish job, I'll give him a hard time and tell him what he should be doing. No, no, Gideon's called to lead in the situation. He has a choice to make. Go in the strength you have, mighty warrior, or go back to your threshing. Go back to hiding in the winepress. Go back to your old ways. Go back to fear. Go back to poverty. Go back, go back, go back. Or begin to lead and begin to take what god has given you and say i'm going to run with this because this is what god has said it applies in our lives as individuals it applies to our life as a church and we should be really careful when we begin to question god gideon begins to question and the lord says i'm going to get you involved then if you're asking questions be careful Because the Lord might just say to you, I want you to get involved. I'm going to call you into something here. And I'm going to ask you to do something. God has not abandoned Israel, though he has allowed them to experience hardship. Because of their sin and because of their idolatry. And sin is essentially rebellion against God. The secret to sin is to agree with God's assessment. If there are things in our hearts which we are holding, things which we're doing or saying or attitudes which we hold to that are against God's will for us, then we need to agree with God's assessment. It's called confession. And when we agree with God's assessment, we need to ask God to forgive us. We need to turn around and go God's way. That's called repentance. We need to make a U-turn in our lives and the things that we're thinking and the things that we're saying and the things that we're doing. And that we, we know that when we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all the rubbish that goes on in our lives. And as a people, they begin to cry out to God because they realize their need. Let us not be a people who just wait until we're in dire need before we call out to God. Judges chapter 6 verse 14 through 16 says the Lord turned to him and said go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. (laughs) The Lord answered I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. The call of God came into his life. And what did he do? Uh, how can he do it? I'm too small. Well, people say that about me all the time, but that's another story. I'm so weak. I don't have the gift and I'm not handsome enough. I don't have enough money. I don't live in the right place. I live in... what? I mean... Think of the excuses that we make. When God comes along and he says, I want you to do something, we tend to do the same. We make excuses. And we see this lots of times in Scripture. Let me give you a few examples. Moses. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites of Egypt? Who am I? Little alone me. I can't speak right. I've got a stutter. Ask Aaron. He's really good with saying things and doing all that kind of stuff. Jonah. Jonah ran away from the Lord. He went on a ship to Tarshish. The ship got sunk. He got swallowed up by a big fish and spat out three days later. And then he went, okay, maybe I need to do what God's asking me to do after all. And Jeremiah, ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. Poor little Jeremiah. What am I going to say? I'm just a child. Do you know, I'm 50 years old and I still feel like a child inside. <laughs> I still feel that I don't have the wisdom that I need. to ask for the wisdom of experience before I've had the experience. I still pray that prayer. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. I remember as a teenager driving down on that little strip of road in the M73 as you've come from the M8 to go into the 74. There's a little strip and you've got to get over into the right to go to Glasgow. I'm driving down there... And the Lord said to me, what do you want? And I've been reading uh, Solomon and I said, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. I want to know uh, the things that you want me to know. I want wisdom. And I prayed that prayer and I still pray that prayer. I pray that prayer because in myself, and you probably experienced this as well, in ourselves we feel inadequate and that's not a bad place to be. I can't do it. No. But God can do it through you. God can do it in you as you trust God. To Him as you look to Him to strengthen you. And this call to leadership comes to us all. I think we're all called to be leaders in one situation or another. You may be the only Christian in your family. Therefore, you are a leader in your family. You are the person whom God has entrusted the message to your family to see them come to know God You might be the only Christian, as far as you know, in your workplace. Therefore, you are a leader. You are a custodian of the message of salvation that God has given you. Therefore, you need to take a lead in that situation. I wonder how often we take that responsibility to lead seriously. God has invested these truths in us. God has invested his word in us. He's invested salvation in us. We take these things for granted, and we forget that other people don't know the things that we know. God has called you to be a leader. Sometimes God calls you to go in the strength that you have, and we'll read on in the passage uh, next week. God doesn't abandon Gideon either. God comes and strengthens him to do the task that He has called him to. And for some of us today, we need to take that first step in response to the call of God in our lives to lead in whatever context you find yourself to be the person that he wants you to be and to step up to the plate. And as you step out in faith, God will come and meet you and God will come and fill you with his spirit and give you what you need. Who will lead your friends and family to Christ? Challenge. Who will lead your friends and family Christ? who will lead your neighbours to Christ who's going to do that who will lead your colleagues to Christ who will God send you to to be a leader to to lead somebody else to Jesus I think he'll send those who are willing to go and we might be like Gideon and say I can't do this I'm in fear and in trembling here I can't say the right things. I don't know the... Let's learn the right things to say apart from anything. But God calls us and God fills us and he gives us his spirit so that we don't need to worry about what we say because the spirit gives us the words to say. He might even send you who feel like the least in your family. Who am I? Who am I that God should send me? Who am I little old me, tiny little me, insignificant little me, let's begin to see ourselves as God sees us. Go in the strength you have, mighty warrior. And perhaps that's a word for somebody today, to go in the strength that you have and God will come and God will meet you and God will fill you with his spirit and equip you for the task. Let us not say, as we conclude today's message, why has God abandoned us? Let us rather decide today to press in to God, to lay aside the sin that entangles and to let go of those things that we may be holding on to for security. The things that we put our trust in that isn't God. Things that are pertaining to life. And let us go in the strength that we have knowing that God will come and that he will meet us. Fill us And empower us and embolden us to be his witnesses in this world. Are you with me today? Are you hearing what I think the Spirit is saying today? God is calling us as a church to go up a level. And that involves every single one of us taking time today, this week, to listen to God and to listen to what God would say in order for us to know what it is that we need to do to go up a level. Every single person, every single person, no exceptions, every person needs to think about what God is saying for us to go up a level. I think we need to go up a level in the way that we worship God, in the way that we praise. We need to be abandoned in praise to God. And I think I think as a church of lost some things there and we need to rediscover them and we need to move into a new realm of worship i think there's a new realm of the spirit that we need to move into of the flowing of the gifts of the spirit gifts of healing words of knowledge prophecy tongues interpretation all of these things the miraculous god i think god wants us to move up into the things which he has for this church But it involves all of us saying, okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to step up into? And if you don't know, come and speak to somebody. Don't just go away and forget about this message today. God is speaking into this church. He's speaking words of life. And we need to grab hold of these words. And we need to take them and we need to run with them. We need to pray for wisdom as we run. God is calling us to step up in our evangelism as well. That big E word that we're all scared of. Sharing your story, sharing what God is doing in your life. Let's learn how to do that. If you've been at the Christian Life and Witness classes, many people were, you'll know how we ought to go about that. And there's so much wisdom that was shared in those classes. Sharing Jesus with others, because this world, this world needs to hear about Jesus and what He has to offer, and our kids. And our young people need to see it evidenced in us. That we might safely transmit the faith to the next generation. Not our way of doing things, as Ray Stokes said many years ago. Not our methodology. But the life of God that is in us being transmitted to them. Let's stand as we pray. Musicians, please come back up. And uh, we'll pray praise, and take up our offering in just a little minute. But just let us stand. Uh, And just take a moment to to really uh, come before God with these words today. Father, we thank you for the life of Gideon. We thank you that he was prepared to take what you said seriously. Father, that he was prepared to rise to the call uh, that you put upon his life. And Father, we pray that you'd begin to speak by your Spirit into this congregation. Father, that you would speak words of uh, encouragement for some. But Father, that you would speak that word of that calling into each person. Father, that you would uh, reveal to us those things which we need to do in order to keep in step with the Spirit. Father, to know your hand, to know your purposes, to know your will. And Father, that we would be obedient to all that you want to say and do in this fellowship. Father, we thank you that you are speaking into the life of this church. Lord, we pray that your words would not bounce off us, but, Father, that they would find a place to rest in our hearts. And, Father, we pray that you give us the wisdom to know how to unpack those uh, things which you're saying. Lord, that they may influence our thinking, that they may influence our planning, our scheduling, that they may influence our doing. And Father, for each of us here today, Father, maybe we need to uh, make a change in our diary, even today, even this week, that we might walk into the plans and purposes which you have for us. So Father, give us wisdom in these things. Help us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of it. Father, we look to you because it's about you. It's about your strength in us. It's not about us, but it's about you. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Father, we pray, build your church, build this church, build your church in this area. Father, may there be unity amongst the churches. Father, may your church in West Lothian begin to rise up and be what you have called it to be. And Father, we pray that you'd revive your church in this area. Father, that you'd do a new thing in this area. Father, now it springs up, and we perceive it, and we're excited about it. Father, we want to uh, move into it and we're willing. We want to follow you. And so, Father, we pray, give us wisdom in these things. Father, we pray that you do a new thing in this area. Father, that you'd open up a well uh, in this area—a well of salvation, Father, a well of healing, Father, a well of your presence. And Father, we pray that we would just uh, love to be in that, Father, to be saturated in that, and Father, to know your presence in it. And so, Father, we pray bless every person who's here. Father, those who are not able to be with us today, for whatever reason, Father, we pray that they would experience your hand upon them, that they would experience your blessing uh, wherever they are today. And Lord, for each of us and our families and those who don't know you yet. Father, we pray that you just draw us into that full experience of you. Father, help us not to fall short of all that you've called us to. Father, may we be a church and individuals who meet the potential which you see for us. Father, those things which you have ordained for us, those things which you have prepared for us, works that we should walk in, Father, you've prepared them before even the foundation of the world. And Lord, we pray that we would have the boldness and the courage to walk in those things. Father, may your name be glorified in our lives. May your name be glorified in this church. And Father, may all uh, all that we do be for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen.